Blog Talk Radio. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Jason Strider, man, he told me, man, it's a sin. Just as much as a sin is killing a person and stealing and everything else, it's a sin for me not to be doing what I'm doing. If I chose to take the easy way out, knowing that I had this gift. Everybody can rap, but only a few get in these positions, you know, where they can really speak, you know, to a generation of people and, you know, have them follow most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family, never forgetting where we came from. And you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or you nobody. Try to do the best we can 
um, for our listeners. Thank you to all our listeners out there who join us and who are who may be new to the show. Uh, welcome. Um, I want to start actually by congratulating, um, formally congratulating Serena Williams for winning the French Open this afternoon. I just uh, I just uh, I caught the back end of it earlier. I got the um, notification from the Sports Center app that Serena Williams had won her second French Open. Um, she won her last one some time ago, I think close to a decade actually. Um, and uh, it just, I think that's just greatness personified. Someone like Serena, I was watching her as a kid and she was dominating. The fact that she is still dominating um, says a lot just about her greatness in general. So congratulations to Serena. And um, going right into our opening topic, congratulations to the Spurs who haven't actually done anything yet, but um, the NBA Finals sure are underway. And San Antonio came out of game one victorious with a 92-88 victory over Miami. Um, the Tommy is off the hook for the time being, but once he comes on, I'm going to put him on the spot. Um, and I was going to let him start off the discussion today because he is the only one of our hosts who picked Miami to win the finals. And I was uh, looking forward to getting his initial reaction. I know he's 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 probably ready to come uh, with, with, with some with some form of defense for the defending champs. Um, obviously, Game Two will air tomorrow night in American Airlines Arena back in South Beach. But um, guys, a, a very interesting Game One. I think to kind of start out, the most interesting thing for me and. To, uh, to Lawrence's point from last week about the rest for San Antonio, and I even mentioned it in my pregame notes on our basketball blog, basketballfeed.blogspot.com, that it, I figured the Spurs would either come out rested or rusty, and you expect that from a team that's been off for were they off nine to ten days. You come in to you go to Miami, um, you're on the road nonetheless, and they're also playing against Miami, which is the fastest team in the NBA. And I thought that the adjustment would be for San Antonio. And game one is obviously usually that feel-out game. And I thought that we would see San Antonio trying to feel out Miami. But it it really worked in the opposite uh, direction, you know. San Antonio actually started out on that 9-2 run, really pushing the pace and getting into their offense quickly and, you know, just getting into their sets. And, um you know, eventually I think the pace slowed down a little bit, which I think is another, you know, main topic really for this series. But uh, Lawrence, I think from what we saw from the first game, I think the rest, as you pointed out last week, was only really a good thing for San Antonio here. I mean, they looked they looked pretty fresh the other night. They did. Yeah, I mean, and, and watching the game, like, like Martin alluded to, I – I mean, from from the jump, it seemed as though San Antonio came out with with the energy that that Miami should have come out with in Game One at home. You know, in Miami, they got the whiteout. They they seemed to have all the things necessary to to really come out with the energy and kind of you know make a stake on their home floor and said by saying, "Look, San Antonio, we know you're good. We know you're a veteran team that's been here before." But we got our chip too, and and we're going for our second one, and and this is where we really show you guys like what we're doing, and and that we saw a Miami team that looked like they were still winded from that seven game Indiana series. I mean, how could they have not have been? 
from only having two games rest, like I said before, to to San Antonio's nine days rest. I mean, it, it really does make light years of a difference. I mean, we are talking about a younger, faster team in Miami, so I, I wouldn't expect that lag to just stick. I mean, I think tomorrow in game two, um, we're going to see a, a way different Miami than we saw in game one. I think we're going to see a Miami who's going to have to come out and play like there's a chip on their shoulder because realistically at this point there is. I mean, with the format of the finals being the way it is, if they were to somehow drop the second game in Miami also, that means that only thing the Spurs need to do is win two out of those three in a row in San Antonio to wrap this thing up. So, I mean, Miami's going to have to come out sharp tomorrow. They're going to have to come out ready. They're going to come have to come out with the same energy that San Antonio came out with. They're going to have to match that energy. I hope the uh, Spurs don't come out hungover from game one because, I mean, realistically, it, it was a big win and it was an unexpected win. But um, I actually saw an interesting statistic today. In the in the Bosch, Wade, LeBron era in Miami, the uh, Miami's only lost game one of a playoff series three times. And all three times they've gone on to win four in a row after to win the series. So, I mean, they're a team, that, they're a team that's not necessarily going to be that worried about this game one. I mean, they should be, and, and, and understandably so. This is the NBA Finals. This isn't a cakewalk. But like I said, actually, one of those, one of those uh, series were the NBA Finals last year against uh, Oklahoma City yeah, Thunder. Oklahoma Thunder City. came out, won game one in Miami. Miami won four in a row. And um, I, I mean, I know the Spurs don't want to see that happen to them. That same thing happened to the Bulls this year in the playoffs. Where I, I mean, I don't know if we can necessarily compare the Bulls to the Spurs and Thunder, but I mean, it was more of a fluke win than anything. The Bulls were hot. The basketball gods were on their side. Nate Robinson could realistically throw up a shot with a blindfold on it. It would still drop somehow. So that's a little bit different. But I mean, that Thunder series. I, Tells tells a lot about what Miami can do and what they're capable of doing and how their mentality kind of is. Because I mean, they're not going to. They're obviously not a team that is going to be discouraged by this. I think that's one of the more interesting things about NBA basketball and I mean a, a lot of other professional sports that play a series type of playoff format to where it it's a, it becomes more psychological than it's not just all right. We got to go out and perform our hardest one time. It's it's it gives you a few games to, you know, like you can make adjustments and and you can afford a, a loss. Even in the finals, you can afford a loss. Miami can certainly afford this loss. No one's going to run around and say, hey, Miami lost game one, so, you know, the the Spurs got it. Like, it, this isn't even going to be a competition. We know that Miami's going to bounce back. So, realistically, I'm looking more for the Spurs to respond to that game one victory and, and kind of – keep that energy and attempt to, to continue to control the tempo. I mean, holding the heat to, holding the heat to 88 points is, is a feat in itself. And, I mean, for, for San Antonio to win this series, there's going to have to be a few games where it, the, the, the score is under 100 for both sides, and, and it's a real grind-out game. But that shows that San Antonio is able to actually – push their tempo on the heat, kind of slow things down, let Popovich run his system, which works so effectively. So, like I said, I, I mean, this isn't this isn't a, a dire situation for Miami necessarily. I do, I do love the fact that the Spurs won. It, 
it, it makes me feel good for my Spurs pick last week. And um, yeah, I'm just looking. I'm looking to see that that energy being matched by Miami in Game Two. And I, I wonder how the Spurs are going to respond to that because they can come out Game Two and get smacked. Yeah, I think, and I think actually for me, and it's why I said I was uh, I, I was I was taken aback because I really thought that Game One. In Miami, I, I thought we were going to have to see San Antonio no adjust to Miami, and it, it ended up being the other way around. I expected San Antonio to win. Again, I, I picked Spurs in seven, and I expected San Antonio to split in Miami because I, I, I consider them that good to be able – I mean, if Indiana can win a game in Miami, San Antonio can win a game in Miami. But Absolutely. I thought it would be game two. I thought San Antonio would have to settle in, kind of figure out what it is they're actually up against here – and then in game two, I thought they would have to be the main adjusters here. And and now, like you said, and, and I'm going to disagree with one point, I think this is a lot more serious for Miami than any of those other instances. I saw all those stats last night, people tweeting, you know, well, we lost, well, they lost game one last year against Oklahoma City. Well, guess what? Oklahoma City last year had three 22, 23-year-old superstars who were in the finals for their first time, who were practically a deer in headlights out there. The team they're playing this year has been there, done that, many times over. And that's the only thing that, that really – and if I'm, talking, if I'm looking from a Miami fan perspective, that's the only thing that's concerning me here. I, I, Miami, like you said, Lawrence, they're probably the best team in terms of adjusting, and that stat is telling of that. Eric Spolstra, LeBron, I mean, they – like you said, tomorrow we're going to see a much better Miami team. I mean, Dwayne Wade scored zero points in the fourth quarter. LeBron, you know, he he wasn't on in the fourth quarter. They weren't executing. It, it just it just looked it just didn't look co- as cohesive as it usually does. And another point for concern for me, you look at the fact that Miami executed so poorly. They didn't really play that well. I'm looking at the shooting percentage. Miami shot a higher higher percentage than San Antonio did the other night, and they mm-hmm. out-rebounded San Antonio. So, like, kind of looking at it on the surface level, the Spurs made their plays, they executed down the stretch, and they did what they had to do. But they didn't. They started out pretty rusty, and they missed a lot of open shots. The argument could be made that they should have won that game by more points and earlier because they went up seven with about a minute and a half left after that Danny Green three, and then Ginobili comes down and chucks a 40-fitter that had Popovich on the sideline just eating his heart out, which is one of those just reckless Ginobili shots. And then they come back and score, and then Ray Allen gets fouled on the three on the next play. Next, next thing you know, it's a two-point game. So I, I, I think I, I just, for me, and, and again, I picked the Spurs, so I, I think I feel much more confident in – and rooting for the Spurs against Miami than, say, in Indiana or Chicago or realistically even in Oklahoma City from last year just based on their experience and their execution. Because at this point, you pretty much know what you're going to get from them. And it's on Miami now, like we said, to adjust. They've got to speed up their tempo. They might have to start doubling the post and start forcing the issue a little bit because the Spurs only turned the ball over against that, against that hounding defense four times the other night. So Miami's got to pick up the pace. They've got to start to force the issue and really and start making San Antonio make quicker decisions on the fly because they looked too comfortable uh, two nights ago. Or, yeah, two nights ago, rather. Um, Jay, your thoughts on, on game one, looking ahead to game two in the NBA Finals? Um, 
I think I think Miami fans or and Eric Spolstra in particular should be worried sick right now. Um, after a game one loss, that you know we we talked about the turnovers. Um, Martin brought it up last week. Um, unbelievable game from both sides. Okay, the Spurs only had four turnovers, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know they that won't happen again. But Miami on the flip side. They only had eight turnovers. So so both teams did a terrific job taking care of the ball. And and that's something I don't think they can keep up. I think the thing with the turnovers is is the timing of the turnovers. Um that that was the real difference there. But for me, Martin, the most glaring stat of the game is Miami at home only shooting seventeen free throws. Now, this is a team that gets to the free throw line a lot. LeBron, Wade, Bosh even, you know, as a team, they, they're they up in the high 20, 30 some games from the free throw line. That shows me that Miami isn't attacking the paint for whatever reason. And maybe it's the defensive scheme of, of San Antonio, you know, le- literally leaving people and, and daring them to take jump shots. But Miami wasn't attacking on uh, the other night, and, and that shows big time in that they were only 12 for 17 from the free throw line. That's absurd for a team with that much athleticism, a team that really wants to focus on going inside and attacking the rim. That shows me a lot, that, that stat right there. Um, but look, I don't think Miami really wants to get into many – late game execution type situations with the Spurs because it's not I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to bode too well for them. I think the Spurs are uber disciplined and they know how to execute down the stretch of games. They don't panic. They don't they they don't take rush shots. The only person that they probably don't want the ball in his hands is is Manu cuz he gets a little he gets a little impulsive. But He's going to hit one of those. Trust me. He's going to hit one of those big ones that he takes. So I feel like it's only a matter of time with Manning. But Parker and, and Duncan and, like like you said, Martin, these guys have been around the block a few times. And and they are they are just as much champions as Miami. You know, More so. like LeBron's already taken the L More of this so. group. So, so like these these guys, Miami's playing a different beast here. This is not this is not Indiana. This is not the depleted Chicago Bulls without their best two players, and I'm, we don't even have to talk about Milwaukee. This is the San Antonio Spurs: Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and the rest of the gang. Championship pedigree, a championship organization that literally. Has been at the top of the heap almost over this pa- over the past ten years, so so these these are no newbies that, that they're they're not playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. No offense, even though Oklahoma City is way more talented than the Spurs, the uh, Oklahoma City doesn't doesn't have the championship pedigree. Yeah, they are. Come on, don't 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 do that. Last year's Oklahoma City Thunder. Come on. So more t- long. I'm just I'm talking. More t- for me, it was the, the experience. The experience factor for me last year, I, I even, I think I picked the Thunder last year out of spite. But, I mean, looking at it in retrospect, the Thunder, I mean, James Harden looked like a rookie. I mean, he was missing open layups, like, literally. If you remember in, I believe it was game 
three, the first, the well, it was the first game in Miami. They just, they just didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know how to act. This is a much different scenario than that to me. Yeah, it's it's, it's totally different. Um, and and if I'm if I'm if I'm Miami, I'm I'm concerned. And and we you know we didn't talk about this much, but for people I don't know, this playoff format has switched from the traditional format. Okay, it's usually uh, two 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 one. Two two one one one. I'm sorry. So that's two games for the for the higher seed goes away for two games for the lower seed. Back at home for the higher seed for game five. Game six lower seed. Game seven higher seed. Now we're dealing with two three two here. So Miami has two games in Miami to start off. The second game will be tomorrow. Three games in San Antonio, and then it ends up in Miami for game six and seven. At this point, I think Miami is. Is is very worried about getting back to Miami to finish this series because San Antonio. I don't think they're going to win three straight in San Antonio, no. but they're going to take. I think they're going to take two out of three of those games in San Antonio, and and they've shown if the, if there's a game six in Miami and it's an elimination type situation for Miami and in this series is three two, I'm saying good night to Miami in that in that sixth game and I and I'm and I believe I picked the Spurs in six because I had a feeling that the Spurs were going to be able to steal one in Miami in these first two games. And that's what I think is going to happen. Miami, LeBron James, I don't want to hear the LeBron James needs help stuff anymore. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. I don't want to hear about it. It's over with. He went from Cleveland to Miami to play with this squad. This is the squad that he won a championship with last year, people. Let's not forget this. Let's not forget this. And arguably, arguably a better squad this year with the addition of Ray Allen. So let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves talking this stuff about how LeBron needs help. He doesn't need help. He's facing a team that's a more complete team than the one that he has in Miami. Okay? And and this is gonna be a dog fight. This is gonna be an absolute dog fight. This game two I'm going to say it right now. This game two might be the most important game of this series, okay? If the Spurs go up 2-0, good night, Miami. I'm serious. I don't think Miami can come back from a 2-0 deficit. I don't think they're built for it. There's one guy on their team that's built for it, and that's LeBron James. But I, but, but he, he may not even be there yet. They're not built for that type of pressure and, and adversity to come back from. Okay, so I'm I'm watching... I'm watching the post-game interviews, and LeBron's cooling. He's smiling. Wade's smiling. He's cool. You know, Spolstra. He's keeping it cool. I'm a psychology major, so I'm think I'm looking at body language. I'm looking at I'm looking at a whole bunch of other things. I'm looking at the way they're talking, the way their demeanor is. I think they were all faking. I think they're scared, yo. I really do. I think they're scared. I think they're scared, and I think they're nervous. I I don't think they feel good about this series. I'm serious. I don't think they feel good about it. Okay? And and in San Antonio, they walked off the floor after game 1. There was no celebration. There was no there they weren't hyped. They walked off the floor like, "All right, well, let's well, now we're thinking about Sunday." Tony Parker in his post-game interview, all these uh, all these people asking him, you know, is this the where do you rank that shot that he hit in the fourth quarter? Tony Parker's like, yo, that shot doesn't mean nothing. Ask me about it in 10 days. 
they're about yeah. their business. Okay, they're they're about their business. They are a different team than Miami has seen in the last three years, possibly besides the Dallas Mavericks that they saw that they lost to in the finals two years ago. I think that's the only team that's comparable to this first team that Miami has seen in the seven game series. This thing is is this thing is gonna get hot and heavy if Miami <laughs> if Miami doesn't show up and everybody on Miami doesn't show up. I think Bosch is gonna get outplayed all all series long by Tim Duncan. We already talked about how T P is gonna slice them up because Mario Chalmers couldn't guard anybody, including me and Molly and Lawrence. And 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 it's just it's just it's just it's just it's I think it's gonna be too much for LeBron once again. I think it's gonna be too much for him. And and he can't score eighteen points ever again in this series and think they're gonna win a game. All right. I'm sitting here watching the fourth quarter and he's kicking the ball out, kicking the ball out, kicking the ball out. Yo, that's cool, LeBron. That's cool. You wanna you wanna be the guy, you wanna be the all around player, that's cool. Not a lot of all around players win championships because sometimes you gotta turn the killer on. That's what Mike did. That's what Kobe does. That's what that's what a lot of the elite, elite, elite guys do when it's championship time. All right? It's no more time for that hit the open man shit. Sorry, sorry for my language. There's no more time for that. That 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 pass that he kicked out to Bosch, I don't care that Bosch was wide open. Honestly, I don't. That time of the game, you have to attack the rim, force the issue, get fouled or finish over somebody. It's no time for this unselfish play with three minutes, two minutes, a minute left in a game at home, game one of the finals, LeBron James. is no more time for it. It's over with, cuz. That's it. You need to be more assertive. And, and, and I think he will in game two. I think we see a killer come out in game two for LeBron. And, 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 I, and I hope that he does. I really do. Because he can't, he can't do this anymore. You know, there's only but so much time that he can take and think, you know, okay, my guys are going to come along. They'll come along when you start being assertive and you open it up for them by your aggressiveness, not so much your passing. And that's and that's just what I think, that I think he can help his team more by going out and being game six in Boston LeBron of last year than he can than getting than, than, than triple-double LeBron. Yeah, if you get what I'm saying, I, I just think he needs. I think he needs to put his his foot on the gas right now and and forget about you know getting everybody involved all game long. I think he needs to put his head down and get to the rim. I think Spolstra is so stupid for not posting him up every game. It's like one game he posts up, next game he's playing on a perimeter all game long. Then when they get into a bind, they start posting him up again. Why not have him on the block more, more? You know, he's not a post player, and I get that, but he can do everything that he does on the perimeter in the post, especially pass out of the post, because he's the best passer out of the post in the NBA. Cross-court passes, his vision is incredible. He's 6'8", he can see over everybody. He can make plays for others from the post. It doesn't have to be all about him scoring. So I want to see LeBron in the post more, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill out. I'm gonna stop talking about this because I'm, I'm gonna end up going for a while, but I'm, I'm gonna end on this. Miami, you're not playing the Pacers. You're not playing the Bulls. You're playing a team who have been here before, who have won here before. This is not the same thing, LeBron. You better start playing, and I, I'm, I'm saying playing meaning scoring. 
you better start being aggressive, cuz, cuz it's gonna get real nasty for y'all if y'all lose game two. And I'm gonna just on that. Uh, yeah, I um, a lot of I mean, something Skip Baylor said yesterday and on on first take. Um, and you know, obviously he's a big Spurs fan and he picked the Spurs to win and whatnot. He's really rooting for the Spurs. I just picked the Spurs, so obviously I'd rather see them win. But like you just said, Jay, and what, to what Skip said yesterday, he said that when LeBron was kind of just playing hot potato and looking to give up the ball, because realistically in the first half, they look, I mean, they were kind of just cruising along. I mean, but why? Because guys were making shots. I mean, when he gives up the ball to Ray Allen and, and Mario Chalmers and even LeBron himself, when, when they're grooving like that and hitting shots, everything is easy peasy. When they stop making shots, when those things aren't falling, I think that's that's when it really has to come to light. What you said, Jay, about LeBron being needing to be more assertive and him being the primary attack, looking to get himself going rather than just trying to get everybody hot all the time because everyone's not going to be hot all the time. So, looking forward to game two, I think what you said, Jay, with the free throw stat, not being not getting to the free throw line, I think that's completely indicative of that last shot that Chris Bosh took because because. Like you said, I mean, LeBron does a lot of the ball handling for them, whether it's pick-and-roll situation, whatever. They, they, they're, they're a jump-shooting team, but I, I look for tomorrow in game two for their attack to operate more free-throw line and below. And for the, the non-basketball listeners, that means that you're starting your offense either at the free-throw line, meaning you're entering the ball to a big or somebody right there at the elbow, and you're getting some kind of flex action, but but whatever you're doing needs to operate free throw line and below in order for you to look to expose those you know those matchups that in low, down low to get LeBron going and to get more points in the paint and get yourself to the free throw line. I think that really affects Dwayne Wade because again zero points for him in the fourth quarter. I'm I'm sticking with my Dwayne Wade theory. If he's not extreme, if not he's he's not really effective. And he, I mean, he was playing well to start out that game. He was really carrying over that activity from Game Seven against Indiana, and I think he started out strong, but he didn't finish. I think they need, and again, to Jay's point, if LeBron is dominant, they may not need Dwayne Wade to be great. But again, if LeBron's not great, usually they can just say, okay, well, let's go to Wade. Let's let Wade do his thing. But it wasn't anybody. And again, looking to Game Two tomorrow, you look for those adjustments individually and collectively. Uh, Tommy Hill, finally on the line with us, our fourth co-host. You've, you've heard all our remarks, all our comments. Uh, take the floor. Sound off on us for us. The, 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 the one of us who actually picked Miami to win this series. What are you looking for? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing today, man? What up, T? I mean, I'm going to start off by saying this. Look me in my face. I ain't got no worries. I ain't got no worries. I ain't got no worries. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because I'm I'm watching that game, and Jay pointed out every single reason why the Miami Heat lost that game, and why they're gonna why they're gonna put the switch, and why they're gonna continue to, you know, what I'm saying the the fourth quarter. I'm watching LeBron pass up wide open in the paint looks, you know, passing it out to guys that, you know, it, it starts with LeBron getting to the rim. He has to attack the rim. You know, everything, you know, Jay pointed it out perfectly. But um, 
the fact that there's no Roy Hibbert in the paint, there's no there's no uh, David West. It's Tim Duncan. You know, he he he's the greatest power forward of all time, arguably, but he's not the rim protector that a Roy Hibbert is. So I'm looking for a, a, mu- a much more aggressive LeBron James, and I'm looking for the X factor, who I believe is Chris Bosh, to take just just take just take six shots in the paint. You know, he he took 16 shots, and I believe 12 of them were outside of the paint. You know, that's that's not going to cut it. He he's got he's got to get a little more paint paint touches. He's got to get closer to the rim. I believe he'll do that. You know, I, I like you said, Martin. Uh, Miami was cruising in the first half, and that was due to LeBron James his activity. When he's attacking, that's when all those open looks are are, are available, and they're in rhythm because LeBron is, is is you know he's he's igniting that fire. If he's just you know a facilitator. We're gonna we're gonna see more of 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 games like we saw in Game One because Miami doesn't want to get in in the final possessions with San Antonio because San Antonio will out execute them. But if when I'm gonna say when LeBron James turns it up like he's going to tomorrow, we're gonna see a different story. And and I'm not you know I don't think San I'm not to disrespect them. I'm sure they'll win. You know, when they go back to San Antonio, they'll win maybe two out of the three. But they may even go up 3-2. But when it goes back to South Beach, we're going to see what are we going to see who's going to close it out. And I, I know it's going to be LeBron James, man. I'm, I'm really not even worried about this series at all because I'm watching this game, and Miami lost that game. It wasn't that the Spurs won that game. Miami lost that game. LeBron you know, maybe he got a little tired in the fourth quarter. Though a couple of Aaron passes, turnovers. I mean, you know, you saw him do that in the Pacers series. It was just like, you know, I'm watching this game at, at the local pub, and maybe that that wasn't the best decision because with two minutes left, it turned into uh, I felt like I was in San Antonio with all the the hatred flowing my way. But um, you know, <laughs> LeBron James, man, I'm telling you, he's going to turn it up, and and you know. All I can say is we gotta wait and see because they're down 0-1 right now, and you know I'm, I'm gonna go back to another thing that Jay said when those post-game interviews. I don't think that's full of gold. I feel like that's really how they're they're feeling right now. They're they're really not worried at all. LeBron James, he's 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 dealt with the hatred. He's dealt with losing the finals. He's really not. He's not gonna fold under pressure again. You know he he's ready for this moment. You know, this he's he knows his legacy is on the line right now to to elevate himself into that, you know, on that path to a Kobe Bryant, on a path to a to an MJ. LeBron James knows what time it is and he's gonna put his foot on the gas, like you said, Jay. And I feel like I really feel like LeBron James is ready now. That that first game was a feel out game, man. I mean I'm not I'm not getting too too caught up in what happened that first game, you know. I feel, I really feel like it was a fill out game. And LeBron had a, a triple double. Eighteen rebounds. You know, the the, the series before that he, he was dealing with, with two bruisers in the paint. I felt like he 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 went back into that mode of, you know, uh Wade and Bosch asking for more looks. So LeBron came into this series a little more passive than he should have been. But if he just goes back to the the original his plan of attack, which was uh, 
you know, the first five games, the first the first six games of the Indiana series, that that's what's going to beat San Antonio. It wasn't working against the Pacers because he needed more of his teammates. But like you guys pointed out, this series is more about LeBron James in attack mode than it is about his teammates. And with the and Chris Bosh, of course, you know, like I said, he's got he's got to get more paint looks. But you know, I'm I'm really not worried about it. Um, I got no worries. Just to point out, this is actually, talking about Tommy, this is the same Tommy Hill who was actually worried sick about Game 7 in Indiana, which we actually looked past last week to make our final picks because I, I, thought we all were, I thought we were all under the impression that the Indiana Pacers were really no match for the Miami Heat. I, I'm, I'm still, I'm sticking to just, just conventional, like, wisdom here, I guess you could say. I, I, I think... Miami knows, again, neither, I didn't think either team played well the other night. I think the Spurs looked better late, and Jay made a good point about the turnovers. I mean, 12 turnovers between the two teams in the whole game. But San Antonio turned, over the ball, turned the ball over twice in the first quarter, which means they only turned it over twice in the last three quarters. Miami's, what, eight turnovers? I think a few of them, several of them came in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, too. They had a shot clock violation even. One of them was one of those turnovers. Um, so, again, we, the late game execution is obviously important. I think, I, I, it, to me, with Tommy's point, I, I mean, I, I don't think we can marginalize it to just saying, well, if LeBron just – I mean, listen, I was, as a, as a, as a someone who picked the Spurs to win – when LeBron was playing hot potato and giving it up and not really, you know, overly aggressive, I was I was happy. When he was passing it off to Chris Bosh and, and so-and-so, I was like, wow, that's great. Like, you know, because exactly. if, if you're – and I think Pop was thinking the same. I think Spurs fans were thinking the same. Because if LeBron goes off, who in the – I mean, we, we've seen what happens. when, Like Jay said, game six in Boston, LeBron, from last year. We've seen what happens when that goes down, and there's never anything to stop it. I do want to take a second and credit the Spurs defense, though, because I don't. We haven't mentioned Kawhi Leonard at all, and I and and listen, there's not a LeBron stopper, there's not a Jordan stopper, there's not there's there's no such thing as those things. But there are people who play defense well enough to who just play smart defense, and and Kawhi Leonard at 21 years old, six seven with a seven foot three wingspan. He is, he is no slouch of a defender. I mean, going from back to the Indiana series, he's just as good of a defender as Paul George, if not more sound just because of his, his experience, the experience he has surrounding him. He is not playing like a 21-year-old. He's playing smart and confident. And his teammates, and the, way, the way they guarded, I think, was, was high in effort because if you're guarding LeBron James and the Miami Heat, it's all about – it's all about really smothering LeBron on the drive and being able to close out on shooters and, and force them to be able to keep having to kick out. I, I, I just I like the effort of the Spurs. I, like, I just like how they're built, and I guess that's obviously manifest in my Spurs and seven picks. But um, we'll look, we, we look forward to game two tomorrow night based on everyone's comments. Uh, I, think, I think, again and again, a lot of comments were made, I mean, high-quality basketball. Again, with the 12 turnovers between both teams, you didn't see teams that, and again, Miami turned it over late, but still, for most of the game, you saw, you know, high-quality basketball, high possessions, just just good basketball overall. 
I think we see that again tomorrow night. But, again, both teams shot low percentages in game one. You look for Miami, obviously, to be more aggressive and, and much better tomorrow night at home. And San Antonio, I think at this point, you know, we're, we know what we're getting from them, right? It's not like they have, you know, they're going to have to improve, obviously, if Miami makes adjustments and Miami goes on runs. But, listen, San Antonio, like Jay said earlier, they, they stay even keeled. And there were so many times through that game one when they were down, and I'm thinking, man, they just, you know, they couldn't get over that 7.8 point hump. But they never let it get to 10, 12, 15, and they got it down to obviously about one point late in that fourth quarter and eventually took the lead. But, they, you know, whether they're down or whether they're – I mean, they stay even keeled, so you know what they're getting from them. I guess the bigger question now, obviously down 0-1, will be Miami uh, tomorrow night in game two at home. Um, and, of course, through next week's action, uh, we'll see game two tomorrow night, which means we'll probably see two more games at least before uh, our show next week. And you look to see what happens. Uh, I think it's, for me, I, I was under the impression that if San Antonio lost these first two games in Miami, they were done. And I heard Jay say it earlier, if Miami lo- somehow loses both two games, I think, Tommy, I think that would – actually bring up cause for concern for you to actually be worried then. Would you Would you agree? I think my – actually, I actually thought about that exact scenario, and I don't really feel like – I feel like Miami can lose both these games. You know, Miami Miami is is, is battle-tested enough to, to win wherever it matters. You know, when, I, when you brought up the fact that I was worried last series when they played Indiana in game seven, it was because I thought they were going to take out Indiana in six. But, you know – Birdman and, you know, circumstances, LeBron fouling out, you know, but I feel Miami is, is ready to win wherever wherever the game is. You know, I feel like all these games, we're not going to see too many, you know, blowouts or, you know, uh, big leads here and there, but I really feel like, you know, Miami can win wherever the situation is. Um, important stat. Wrapping up with with the NBA Finals discussion, if anyone else has final uh, has final thoughts, an important stat: Miami has not lost back to back games since January. <laughs> Let's take that in. <laughs> Miami has not lost back to back games since <laughs> January. <laughs> yeah. So, do I think they're going to lose this game? No. But if they do, no. I mean, I'm listen. My spurt for my Spurs in seven pick, I got Miami in game two. I had Miami in game one, and I thought the Spurs were going to take game two. But I think it's flipped now. I'm definitely taking Miami in game two now, just for the sake of my pick. I'm certainly but, taking hey, Miami to win tomorrow. The stats, the stats favor Miami. They haven't lost back to back games since January. That's unreal. That, uh, that's a very telling stat there. Um, real quick, to uh, again, if anyone else doesn't have final thoughts on the NBA Finals. I got, I got um, one thing to say. Martin, you think you guys, why well, I saw you guys, is you really think that San Antonio is a better defensive team than Indiana was? As a, as I, think a, they're they're, I, I think they're exactly. I think they're a smarter and more disciplined team with better schemes than Indiana. Like they like like defense for me in the NBA, that's what NBA coaches are for. I, I think offensively they have the talented guys. They have the most talented scorers. You know, every single player in the NBA at some point in their career, regardless of if it's if it's Joel Anthony 
or 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 somebody else nutty. At one point in their career, they were big time scorer, whether it was at the high school level or the collegiate level. I think when it comes to the NBA, you pay coaches for their offensive schemes, yes, but especially for what they can do as far as motivating their team to play defense. I think every single one of Greg Popovich players know if I don't play defense, I won't play. And 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 it's and it's really that simple. And even a guy like Tony Parker, who was a liability on defense when he first came into the league, he's learned to at least play defense hard enough and good enough where he can keep himself on the floor. And and I think Popovich knows what he's doing. That it wasn't it wasn't a coincidence that Chris Bosh was that open for that late game shot. It was not yo. It, nobody even even started to close out on him. Popovich knows. It was knows. Jazz. It, 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 Someone was ball side corner. I can't remember who it was, but it was a small jazz. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They're like, okay, that's the shot we want. Greg Popovich is a mastermind on the defensive end of the floor, and I and I and I do think though they're not as long and bruising and as athletic as Indiana, they are way more disciplined than Indiana. And when you're playing a high octane offense like Miami. You you would like to match up with them athletically, but that's not possible. But what you can do is be disciplined enough to to make them pick their choices very very wisely, and 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 keep them contained at least. So so that's that's what I think. I, I I Tommy, I do think the Spurs are a better defensive team, even without the presence of of a legitimate you know Roy Hibbert type shot blocker. I think their perimeter defense is more disciplined and better than Indiana's, and I think against a team like Miami, that that can go a little bit of a of a long way with as, as far as containing, you know, Ray Allen and 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 Wade and Mario Chalmers and the guys that you can actually contain right now. And I, yeah, I want to agree with that. Yeah, there's one point when you mentioned Tony Parker, it just it literally just came to my mind. There was a point, I don't know if you guys saw it in game one, where Tony Parker got switched off on LeBron, and LeBron had him posted down in the block area. He, they were working the ball to him, but Tony Parker just fouled him before they got it to him, and then they switched Kawhi Leonard back off on him. That, that, that play literally just came to my mind, Jay, as you brought up Tony Parker's – just, just the, the savvy – effectiveness of San Antonio's defense. They just know. Like, Indiana, for example, if George Hill was switched off on LeBron, they, you know, they would just let him get scored on. They don't They don't have yeah. that presence of mind that San Antonio and Greg, we, no one mentioned Greg Popovich. Listen, Greg Popovich, and I'm going to say this right now on the air, listen, tomorrow, if the Spurs look lackadaisical, if they look a little tired, if they look overwhelmed, Greg Popovich will sit Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and yeah. Manager Ginobili for the whole fourth quarter. Okay. And yep. If he doesn't think they have a chance, listen, Greg Popovich will lose by 30 before he will let his, especially given, you know, the older age of his superstars. He, Greg Popovich knows what he's doing. And I, yeah. I literally, I, I, I would say actually watch for that. If, if that's the case through three quarters, if it doesn't look competitive, if they're la- I'm telling you, he will pull them. Because he knows the significance of longevity. Because when you go against Miami, I've said it a lot in the last few weeks, it reminds me a lot of Louisville this year. It's a marathon. It is a marathon. It is 48 minutes of, of up and down, being able to contain at a high pace 
And with the, you know, obviously the Spurs are much older. They're going to have to maintain that level of intensity. So, um, again, lots of things to look for tomorrow night in game two. Um, real quickly, before we go to our commercial break, um, Jay brought up the point of, you know, NBA head coaches. Obviously, a lot of head coaching vacancies are opening up now going into the off season. you know, this latter part of the season, um, teams letting coaches go, coaches looking to um, sign elsewhere, uh, a, a number of teams looking for coaches right now. I know the Detroit Pistons are expected to sign um, Maurice Cheeks, Mo Cheeks as their head coach, um, but the Brooklyn Nets, um, uh, the, the Clippers, obviously, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets now after they fired George Carl. Um, a few different teams looking for coaches and a lot of names being thrown out there. Obviously, George Carl now gone from Denver. Lionel Hollins is kind of in the mix. Byron Scott, uh, Brian Shaw, uh, Alvin Gentry out of Phoenix. So real quick, I want to go around and um, Tommy, I guess, start us off on, you know, is there are there any names out there for any specific team that you would like to see uh, match up in terms of uh, an NBA head coach? Uh, you know, I, I just look at, you know, the guys that are available and, you know, we'll see where they fit in, but I was just really shocked that, that George Carl, he, he got fired? He got fired, yeah, they let him go. That that That's the craziest one to me right there because that guy has been, you know, he's dealt with <clears throat> superstars leaving his team and he's kept them afloat for the past three years with, with guys that they're just, throwing to him, right? And, you know, George Carl, I hope he gets with another good situation because I feel like they did him wrong out there. Uh, Brian Shaw, I'm looking to see where he goes because I feel like he deserves a head coaching opportunity. Um, I think I think Patrick Ewing, uh, his name is out there too for for uh, for a coaching gig because he's been on a few staffs here and there. But, um, yeah, you know, I just – for me, I would like to see where George Carl goes. Cause I, if he goes to a team like a Brooklyn or even a, a Clippers, or, I feel like you know, I feel like I hope he gets to that situation where he can compete for a championship. Yeah, just about all these teams are reaching. I know it's been reported Brooklyn has reached out for George Carl. It's been the Memphis Grizzlies apparently they want to communicate with George Carl, and it's been reported that the Clippers and George Carl have. Uh, mutual interest. So, uh, uh, Jay, is there is there a particular matchup? I know you mentioned the other day. I think you said you would like to see George Carl go to go to L.A. I would certainly like to see George Carl go to L.A. because I I I just love the talent that that L.A. has. I just feel like they're they're young and and with Chris Paul at the you know quarterbacking everything. Um, I feel like he deserves a coach that could maximize everyone on his team. And I think George Carl or Brian Shaw would be perfect fits. I actually would I actually would argue that Brian Shaw might be a better fit in LA being a younger coach that I feel like Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan would listen to. And and those that's what these guys need. They need a disciplined coach as, as you know, in that pedigree of, of George Carl and Brian Shaw that they'll listen to. And and I feel like they, that they'll those two guys can pull the best out of those two young young, you know, a young front court like the what the Clippers have. Um and I hope Memphis, you know, I hope Memphis makes the right decision because I mean they they you know, Western Conference Finals good team, 
I think they're a superstar or 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 a pretty good three man or two man away from being you know very very good. Um, but I I don't I don't I guess I don't understand the Lionel Hollins move. I'm sure Lionel Hollins will get a job. But he just took a team to the Western Conference Finals, so he'll get a job somewhere. Um, but I I think George Carl or Brian Shaw makes sense in in in, uh, in LA. So I hope they see that happen, and um, I don't know what's gonna go on with Memphis. I'm not, I'm not sure. And then now this Denver job's open. I'm not really concerned about Brooklyn. I don't know how many veteran coaches really want to go to Brooklyn, even though they have a nice nucleus. I don't know how many coaches want to go to Brooklyn. So I would, I don't know if I would want to see a Brian Shaw or or a George Carl in Brooklyn. I would, I would kind of rather see them in L.A. because um, I just feel like the West. There's a chance to get out the West more so than there's a chance to get out the East at this point um, right now. So, uh, yeah, I hope George Carl especially goes to the Clippers because I want to see him on it with a team with enough talent to get him out of the West to possibly get in the, into a final situation and, and get him a ring so he can so he can retire because he's a I think he's a terrific coach and Brian Shaw is obviously one of the one of the best if not the best young assistant on the like uprise coaches that there is in the league. So I hope hope my son D. Shaw gets a nice gig too. Yeah, the George Carlin to, uh, to Lob City would definitely be a nice, interesting fit. Um, I agree. I think Carl deserves to go out on a good note. I think the Clippers and the Nets are in similar um, circumstances in that. I think they both need players, coaches. And Brian Shaw, I think, might be probably the most coveted players, coach of those names that are out there. Um, I did read this week that apparently Brian Shaw is the lead candidate in Brooklyn now. I know a lot of all, – all of these teams have been basically talking to all of these coaches for the most part. And Lionel Hollins is kind of up in the air because it, from what I've been seeing, it seems like he wants to stay in Memphis, but it looks like Memphis is kind of driving him out. There was some, I think, conflict with Hollins and management. I, I think Memphis is looking to go in a different direction. And I agree, Jay, I think that's a – huge question mark with Memphis because like like you said with where they got this year and the kind of basketball they played under Lionel Hollins you look for them to carry that over with whoever their next hire is so I think that that's got definitely got to be the right hire I agree um and and even in Denver you know Denver George Carl leaves obviously coach of the year this year they were they finished third in the Western Conference they had the best record at home I mean you've got a lot of pieces there um, I think maybe a Byron Scott maybe in Denver because they're you know they're used to going up and down playing that kind of style that Byron Scott usually coaches so maybe that might be a match. Um, I would like to see George Carl in Mob City like you said. I think I'm looking I'm looking at Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn they go with the right guy and again it looks like Brian Shaw is the leading candidate for them. But you know Darren Williams has had conflicts with you know back in the Utah Jerry Sloan days and then obviously. Uh, Avery Johnson was fired earlier this year, and Carlissimo took over. Took over, and Brooke Lopez had problems with him apparently. But I think you need the right fit there too, because I, I certainly like Brooklyn's nucleus, and I like where they're going. So um, we'll keep our eyes out for that in terms of the NBA head coaching vacancies, and we'll discuss it and analyze it, break it down here on the collective, because that's what we do. Um, we're going to wrap up our first sports segment now. Go to our first commercial real quick, and then we'll come back and. Talk a little bit of music. We're going to be right back with the collective. Yeah. 
This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon107. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers. All right, and now without further ado, it is time. segment is loosely based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, where you can find reviews, feature songs, opinion articles, and all kinds of cool stuff relating to music. Uh, this portion of our show is open to anyone who is calling in or listening in who wants to call in and let us know what's on your playlist this week, what are you listening to. We want to know. Um, start out the conversation. Our co-hosts are going to talk about what we've been listening to this week, what's been on our playlist. And then we'll get to our main discussion topics for our music segment today. Uh, Lawrence Real, L. Boogs. Yes, Law. Grace, grace us, bless us with what's been on your playlist this week. Well, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of uh, lead into a, a segment I know we're gonna go into later, but um, I kind of feel like it just wouldn't be right for me to talk about music in the last week. I mean. I, I can say last week, but realistically, this last 24 hours, we got J. Cole's album. We got we got the leak of Born Center. We're actually able to listen to it in its entirety. And we've kind of been, realistically, we've been talking about this album since week one of this show. I mean, we talked about J. Cole as one of the guys who we, we were really just waiting for him to drop that one that's going to that's going to kind of solidify him as one of the best out and and. Folks, this is it. I, I'm, I think this is it. I mean, I've for the last 24 hours, like I said, it's been all I've listened to, and I mean, top to bottom, it's good. It's, it's great actually. Top to bottom, it's great. Conceptually, it, it is sound. It is all there. It's, it's a, it's a running theme. It, it has a lot of good ideas in it, and I feel like I was actually talking to one of my friends about it yesterday because I mean, a lot of people have been buzzing about it since, since the leak came out. And he was like, yeah, but I don't think there's really any bangers. And, I mean, though that – I don't think that's necessarily true. But at the same time, I think he was going for more of a big picture type of situation, more of like a, all right, I'm going to put out a a movie almost on in, in terms of music. I'm going to, I'm going to 
created an experience, and that's what he was able to fully accomplish. It's um, it's it's all J Cole produced as we as we talked about a few weeks ago on the show, which is which is as awesome as awesome gets realistically. When you get an album from a guy that's a, that's an artist and a producer, you know that what you're getting is a hundred percent them. Like every, like all of the sounds that you're getting in are them, and we we talk about that in terms of that's what make Kanye album so great because it's all Kanye, you know, it's like, it's, it's top to bottom. What Kanye felt is what he put down. And I think that that's what J Cole accomplished with this. There's some fantastic tracks on it. I mean, the production is, is fantastic. So, I mean, I guess this is a, what I've heard in the last day and what I'll probably be listening to consistently for the next month. Uh, on what, what I mean that and when when Kanye's album drops obviously but I mean it, it's great man and uh, and I kind of wanted to maybe talk about something else I listened to this week but there's not going to be anything that's going to stand out as much as this so far it's had it's had almost a good kid mad city impact where it's just like all right I hear it I hear it once and I'm just like right is this is this is what J Cole this is what J Cole's first album should have sounded like to me and and I'm glad that he was actually able to accomplish this and I mean it's great. It's great. Everybody's gonna hear it and, and it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna put Cole on the map, like I said, as one of the best out. So that's I, I had to share that. No doubt, no doubt. Um certainly anyone who's been tuned in ha- has been blessed by Born Center in the last twenty four hours for sure. I know um I've been Really, I mean, like you said, last 24 hours for me has been Born Center. Um, like you said, we'll get to uh, J. Cole and the, and the Born Center leak um, in a little bit. We'll kind of unpack it a little bit more and talk about the implications of the leak and, and just the album in general, what it means. Um, I'll, I'll do my what I'm hearing this week. I, you know, at one point this week, I reverted back to Big Crit's mixtape, which came out. And, in fact, I actually talked about it on this show some time ago, probably about five or six weeks ago, I think when it first came out, um, we weren't doing our What We Hear segment at that time, but I think I just brought it out, uh, brought it up as something that should have been on notice because realistically it's, it's, it could be the best mixtape of this year so far. Um, I went back to it just in random listening. I was working this week on the computer and uh, it came up and I ended up just running through the whole mixtape again because as I said when I talked about it before, the idea of Big Chris' approach is so powerful because he's a Southern brother. He's a Southern rapper with a Southern twang and a Southern influence, but it's highly conscious, and there's a lot to take away from it lyrically, um, conceptually, and musically. And Lawrence just talked about, you know, people who, uh, you know, J. Cole's and the Kanye's people who, who record, who rap, who do production and all that. Who Big Crit is one of those guys. And production-wise, the mixtape really takes you on a whole lot of different um, avenues and different sounds. There's all kinds of different samples, James Blake and M83 and all kinds of different sounds incorporated and and really, really in-depth messages. Um, The King Remembered in Time mixtape by Big Crit. Um, I spent a good day out of this week, can't remember which day, but one day this week it was really kind of resonating on me about how really great that mixtape was. Um, this year. So King Remembered in Time by Big Crit, that was for me, um, what I'm hearing this week. T. Hill, why don't you share with us what's been on your playlist this week? You know, I got, um, listen to that, the Wale, Poor Decisions track with, uh, with Ross and Lupe. 
felt like that that was a really good track. Um, the video the video is very cool as well. Um, I listened to it. The, the yeah, yeah. But um, I got the the, the bad remix with Rihanna. Uh, another good track by Wale. I feel. I'm not sure if it's it's better than the original because Riri can sing, but so can Tierra Thomas, and you know I feel like you know it, it, it's a good remix. I don't feel like it should be compared as which one's better or not because I don't really feel like it was better. But um, I'm gonna keep going. The uh, strictly for my Jeeps, the the Action Bron Action Bronson featuring Lloyd Banks and LL Cool J. That was a really really cool track. I'm really um, starting to take a liking to this guy, Action Action Bronson from Queens, New York. You know, <laughs> big, heavy set white dude, crazy beard, could flow like, you know what I mean, like like big pun. I, I'm really starting to like this guy. He, he's 29 years old. I didn't know that. But um, I'm really starting to, to listen to more Action Bronson. Um, you know, and I like I've been saying in the past few shows, I've been listening to the radio a lot. And there's one song I cannot escape, no matter what station I flip to, and it's Justin Timberlake's Mirrors. I, I, I feel like <laughs> that song, I wake up, I wake up hearing, you know what I mean, love of my life, you, uh, you, uh, love of my life. You know, I just It's in my head for the entire day, and I, I don't know if I love it or it's just it's just drilled into my brain, but... I, that's a it's a good track, man. I I really like it, and it's played everywhere, so I can't escape it. So I might as well show my love for that track as well. And um, I actually came across a freestyle that I really liked this week. Um, kid named Chris Rivers, who's the son of Big Pun, he did a, a freestyle with Funk Flex, I believe, if I'm not uh not positive for where uh, where he did the freestyle, but you know he kind of blew me away with with his flow and his his, his wordplay, and I did not expect it at all. I didn't even know Big Pun had a son. So uh, Chris Rivers, I don't know, I don't know who he raps for or if he's if he's looking to get signed. But Chris Rivers is a guy that I feel like should be on some people's radar. Um, going back to two but, of the um, records you mentioned, Tommy. Uh, sorry, did you have, did you have another one? No, nah, no, nah, I was just saying that was that was uh, that was my list for the week. Oh, okay. Um, the, yeah, the Wale track uh, with Lupe and Ross that's actually confirmed on the to be on the Self Made Three upcoming project. Um, they announced it last weekend. They'll be dropping that in August, the third installment for the uh, the MMG com- compilation album series, Self Made Three. Um, I heard that record. I, I I think it was a good record. I mean, Lupe Fiasco. Um, if if you want to hear some good new Lupe, some actually good new Lupe, then I think you should check out that record for sure. Um that hey that that Rihanna remix, I'm feeling that, but I I I think Rihanna's version is being accepted really well because what she does with it, she is singing, but she's got see Rihanna's too ratchet for all that, you know, vocal stuff. She she's actually kind of flowing on it. Like she does that back and forth thing with Wale that was actually pretty dope. Yeah. I think Rihanna's versatility really showed on that record, um, uh, for sure. So, Tommy Hill's playlist for the week, good stuff. Uh, J. Real, J. R. J. R. Ryder. Said I, I know there is somebody's birthday tonight somewhere. Something silly, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So this is pretty nice weather here in uh, beautiful King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, the last couple of days. Um, 75 degrees, sunny, breezy, no reason to be upset. So uh, I've been celebrating. My sister got married last Friday, and I've been uh, I've been in celebration mode for her um, for the last week. And I've been listening a few times. I ain't gonna lie. I was walking around. I'm taking I'm taking two post grad classes um, at a university close to my house, and and it's very scenic, very nice. So I was walking around and I was looking through my iTunes trying to figure out what I'm gonna listen to, and I came across R. Kelly's Chocolate Factory <laughs> album, and the one right. song that I have on there is the Step in the Name of Love joint. Lawrence and Martin know all about that joint with me. <laughs> So, so I was just listening. I, you know, I never, I never thought this could be possible, y'all. I'm walking around campus and I'm cool. I got my shades on, you know, swagging, and I'm listening to R. Kelly stepping the name of love in my headphones. And every couple steps, I'll hit a quick two step, real quick, just did it real smooth, just so nobody saw it. I'll just hit my general and just keep it moving. But yo, so <laughs> no jokes, joking aside, yo, I know everybody's probably heard this song. You cannot be in a bad mood after hearing this song. It, it, it's just one of those old-school, feel-good tracks that you hear it and, and and you stop thinking about everything that's going on. You just you get into that fun mode and you're happy and it just, it, it just sounds good and, and you think about old heads just getting it to it. And it's just, it's, 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 it's just remarkable what that song could do. For your whole day, and and I ain't gonna lie, I walked around campus and I listened to it on my headphones at least once or twice, and I'm singing it in my head and I'm grooving and I'm having a good time or whatever, and and it's just a fun song, Mad Mad, Mad Molly's in the video, and <laughs> and it's just it's just a good time, you know, and it's and sometimes you know I it, it's crazy because I listen to French and I'm sitting there and you gotta know that. <laughs> Yeah, I ain't worried about nothing. And then I go right to, to R. Kelly, you know, step in the name of love and it's seamless, you know, it's just it's just it's just something that I just don't mind just listening to because it's one of those feel good tracks and I think music it's 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 obvious that music has that power. You know, everybody listens to music when they're in a certain mood that'll either keep them there maybe bring them higher or maybe bring them lower, you know, whatever, you know, there's a wide spectrum of feelings that's involved in music. And I think that's why it's so powerful. And for this song, for me, you know, it takes me back to good times and it reminds me of the good times that I'm still having. And it's just a fun track for me. So like, I just, I just listened to it. I just, I had it on my iTunes. I bought it. Um, and and I just had it on there, so I listened to it this week. I had an Instagram post about it, you know, and all of that good stuff. And I just I just enjoyed listening to it this week randomly. So it, that that was one of my joints I was listening to this week. Um, and then I'm all about the I'm all about the the reconnection. Um, <laughs> I got back to the reconnection type thing, and uh, I was on YouTube, and one of my recommended videos was a video um, from two years ago, um, 2011. It was Kendrick Lamar um, meeting Pharrell in the studio for the first time. And Pharrell, the whole video, he's talking to Kendrick about Section 80. And he's going nuts. And he's like, 
he's like, yo, that hold up joint, crazy. He tell, he's telling Kendrick how, you know, I was in Tokyo last week, and we're riding around Tokyo, and we're blasting Section 80 the whole the whole time we were in Tokyo. And he's talking about the hold up track, and he's talking about Absol's outro. And and basically, Pharrell was really, really excited about the production on Section 80, which is tremendous. If you listen to it, it's all of these serious, serious jazz samples on top of these heavy 808s and heavy beats and then Kendrick Lamar absolutely snapping out on every single song. And 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 I knew and I knew I kind of thought about the jazzy parts of that of the production on that on that mixtape, but after kind of hearing you know a guy like Pharrell talk about it, I obviously went back, listened to the whole mixtape all the way through, mind blown once again. <laughs> Rigor mortis is just absolutely ridiculous. If you have not heard Kendrick Lamar's Rigor mortis and you think you know rap, you don't. Because that is that is three minutes of absolute snapping. I swear he didn't take a breath. He didn't he didn't breathe the entire track, yo. He was absolutely just spitting fire for three and a half minutes, and it's and it's and it'll blow your mind. I I I came out of that thinking, Section Eighty is Kendrick Lamar's best piece of work, and and I came out of it after reconnecting with it, even though I know every word on that mixtape. That's how I am. I know every word on that mixtape. I know every track. Um, but I went back to it, and I just listened to it again after watching that video. And, and my mind was absolutely blown again. I was kind of just paying attention to some of the production stuff a little bit more. And absolutely A-plus production, A-plus lyrics, A-plus content, A-plus everything that you want in a rap, mixtape, album, whatever. Kendrick Lamar has it on Section 80. And, and, and that mixtape for me kind of solidified Kendrick Lamar as being in another class than a lot of other rappers in his age group, in his area of, of expertise and all that stuff. He's he's just absolutely not being touched right now. And and that mixtape is was basically a warning shot to Good Kid Mad City. It was like, yo look, pay attention. For real, pay attention. And then he comes out with Good Kid Mad City and it's like, okay, all right, all right, no, no more arguments here. And um I just think it was I think it was important for me to go back and listen to it again to really kind of appreciate it even more so than I did before. So R. Kelly step in the name of love, feel good track, you wake up in the morning, you know, you might be able to sleep in one day. You ain't got work Saturday morning, you wake up, throw that joint on and, and dance around your house and clean your house and, and have a good time. <laughs> and then section eighty for the turn up, for the for the lyrical content, for whatever you need it for, it's got it for you. And the production is A plus, so those two were what I've been kind of stuck on this week in music. That that certainly is the beauty of our what we hear segment, isn't it? Um, because, like Jay said, the the reconnection is so important. I'm pretty sure Jay uh, went back to one of Currency's. Uh, I think it was Verde Terrace last week, a, a Currency mixtape that you went back to. Um, the, the, that reconnection is definitely a huge part of of the segment because uh, in terms of us, our co-hosts here on The Collective, uh, you know, we talk about music, we talk about hip-hop and, and albums and different things, and uh, it's important for us to, you know, put out there for our listeners and each other 
sharing what we're listening to, that really is the whole culture of music, isn't it? The the community of it, you know, what each other is listening to, how it makes us feel, why we're listening to it, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the wide spectrum that we cover um, in the course of our What We Hear segment is impeccable, and, and that's a big reason why we do it. Um, so, so segueing into um, the discussion forum for our music segment today, um, I want to take some time um, it's going back to J. Cole with the Born Center album in the week. Um, and I want to address kind of a larger thing. I guess I'll get to the kind of the larger thing first. You know, uh, the other day, um, Brother James from our network, from the Keys 107, he, uh, he ran a show on um, what happened to the soul. And it was focused on the, 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 the era of music, the culture of music, and kind of where the soul has gone from R&B and from hip-hop also. And, that, you know, I, I was sitting at home, and I, and I, you know, I said I would join the event on Facebook, and I got the, the uh, notification on my phone. I decided to call in just to listen because, you know, it, reading the description of what they were talking about reminded me a lot of what we discussed here on The Collective. And I decided to call in, and I eventually went on and, and said a little bit, and they, you know, they showed love for our show here on The Collective, which obviously we appreciate. And, and uh, you know, I, I decided to chime in when they went into more of the hip-hop spectrum because I felt like I could, you know, somewhat speak for kind of our generation, kind of the, the way we look at things from our perspective. And uh, a lot of what they were talking about, they had a couple other callers on there talking about, you know, the nature of hip-hop and different guys. And, and uh, I, I wanted to... I want to tie that in kind of to what we're talking about with J. Cole because, Lawrence, a big part of what they were talking about on Brother James's show was, and they didn't say this directly, but this is what I was getting from them, is that basically hip-hop hip is getting a bad name right now. And a, a name that was thrown around a lot in the discussion was Lil Wayne. And, you know, rightfully so. When you, I mean, Lil Wayne is obviously, you know, he's a module. He's up there. He, you know, he's one of the more prominent names in hip-hop. Um, but in terms of, and obviously they talk, they were talking about Lil Wayne in terms of his influence on younger people and, you know, the, the substance of the music. And, and again, it was a, a lot of connections to what we try to talk about here in the collective. And when I, you know, gave my comments for their discussion, I mentioned, you know, I really harped on Kendrick Lamar because I, I had to, I had to, I, I had to show agreement with their conversation because I, I completely understood it. But I did have to, I felt the need to, 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 to defend hip-hop at some level because though there may be a handful of guys like your Kendrick Lamars, you know, like your Big Crit, like your J. Cole, um, there are those guys out there. And, it's, and, and it, it, it sucks that it almost gets overlooked because all you hear, what you hear on the radio is, you know, your Little Wings or French Montanas and stuff. And, you know, I named Kendrick Lamar. And I named even Lawrence, you'll appreciate this, I brought up Jay Electronica. These guys on the show don't know who these guys are. They, they've heard of Kendrick because he started coming to the forefront now. But someone like Jay Electronica, they don't know. Someone like a big crit, they don't know. Um, and, and it kind of almost separates kind of like the underground, like dominance from the mainstream almost. So, again, going back to J. Cole with the Board Center League, I want to I talk about it. Uh, someone like J. Cole Lawrence, I feel, is he's one of the examples, like we always talk about, someone who can, who bridges the gap between, like, that substantive, almost underground rap, like from the warm-up 
and then coming up into the mainstream and giving us something like, and you mentioned the comparison to Good Kid, Mad City before, something that's unique and substantive in in its entirety as a rap album. So going into Born Center, again, we've, uh, you know, I've had a chance to listen to, you know, the 16 songs that were leaked and that have been streamed over the last 24 hours. And um, I, I mean, I guess, I think going forward as we listen to it more, and, and I think something we're going to start doing is kind of start maybe like a debate forum type of format where we kind of compare albums, and it, maybe it's not fair, but I think when you talk about, you know, the, 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 the great albums, I think it's compare, it, it's fair to compare. And I think, Lawrence, with Good Kid, Mad City, Born Sinner, you're looking at two albums that are, are very similar in nature. Would you agree? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think... I mean, I, I do think that Kendrick kind of, I mean, it's not necessarily a precedent because it, it, it certainly has been done before, but I feel like to an extent you can call it a precedent just because it's not it's not necessarily the norm nowadays, you know? It's not necessarily like, I feel like m- more so nowadays it's about just having the, the, the singles. I mean, and, and J. Cole talked about that a lot. He's done a lot of interviews in the last few weeks kind of leading up to the album. And he's talked about kind of that struggle he went through with his last album, Sideline Story, which ended up selling a lot more than he thought it would, and and it was relatively successful in terms of sales. But it, but conceptually and, and and musically, he didn't feel like it was all the way there. He wasn't like 100% confident in like backing it. And and I mean, you we can hear that. Us the consumers can hear that. Like I mean, no one was running around saying, "Yo, Sideline Story is." Is a classic, like it's because it because it, it wasn't it wasn't it it wasn't a very good album, and um, I think that kind of Kendrick, Kendrick realistically, Good Kid, Mad City is one of the best hip hop albums our generation is gonna get. It's one of the best hip hop albums of the last five to ten years. I mean, maybe even stretching further back than that. So I I understand why it's it's kind of looked at the way it is because it it. it at a high bar and I think that that's where you can compare J. Cole to because it wasn't about kind of individual songs as I alluded to before where I was talking about my boy who said there weren't any bangers it's not about a, a, a individual songs and how they stand on their own but it's about how songs fit into a story you know and how songs fit into an album and and are able to like stick to a theme, and 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 that's really the that's really uh, one of the hard parts about writing music or writing an album. It's it's about kind of not going all over the place, you know, and and it's about being versatile, but at the same time having everything come back to a to a general point, and and that's what Good Kid, Mad City did to a T. So I I, I understand why you would bring up good or why. We would bring up Good Kid, Mad City in terms of Born Center because that's what we're getting from it so far. We're getting like a a cohesive piece as opposed to just you know a few standout tracks with a few other pretty good ones. Like it, it's it's a it's a it's a collective. It, it seems like it it has a flow of thought. You know, I, I compared it to like a movie earlier to where it's like a, an experience in listening to the album. It's it's one of those that you probably should listen to, not on shuffle, but from beginning to end because it it makes sense from beginning to end like, like Good Kid Mad City did. So, like, I, I mean, I feel like we still, just to wrap up, I feel like we, we definitely need more time on Born Center. Like, if we... 
I feel like as as much of a music fan as I am, what ends up happening is when when an album that I'm really waiting for ends up releasing, right? I we kind of get like overly excited and everything is new, so it sounds like so good. And we're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then like two weeks from now, we're kind of just like, yeah, it was like it was pretty cool. So I I, I want to give us time to to digest it. But in in alluding to, I, I kind of went off topic a little bit, but back to what you were talking about in terms of like the the actual state of hip hop. I think I think what guys like Kendrick and what guys like Cole are doing is I mean it they're they're the unsung heroes because they're they're not necessarily getting that mainstream coverage to where people who aren't really engulfed in this are going to hear them. I mean even Kendrick who's who started to see some success, but like I, I guarantee you that people who aren't really engulfed in the culture kind of know swimming pools and poetic justice off of Good Kid Mad right. City and that's almost the extent of it. Which which yeah. isn't the way it should be because realistically those aren't even two of the best songs on the album. But like right. it make you have to you have to make songs that are going to have the mass appeal. You you have to put out singles. That's just the the way it is. The way it is is you have to have songs that are going to be able to be played on the radio and people are gonna wanna hear it at any time and they're like they're just going to be high demand songs and and even though they may not be an artist's favorite song, because, I mean, I'm sure J. Cole isn't going to... J. Cole talked about... He has a song on his album called Let Nas Down. He talked about that being his, like his favorite song that he's done maybe next to uh, um, Light Please. He's not going to put that out as a single, though, because he knows that it's not going to get the reception it needs to get as a single. The Crooked Smile song that... I'm not necessarily a huge fan of has that radio appeal because it has that the, the the catchy hook, the melodies, like everything that you need to be able to get some spins on the radio. So I, I feel like the 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 way people look at things ends up being a little bit tainted because there's like the people who really are listening to it and know that hip hop is alive and well and very healthy right now. There's a lot of guys that are doing that are doing hip hop justice, but then there's those who are kind of on the outside of it and that aren't as engulfed in it. And the only thing they're hearing is Lil Wayne nowadays, which is atrocious because it's not what it's not what rap is supposed to be. It's not what like it's not what the quality rap is. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 just what's catchiest, I guess, and it's and it's what getting what's actually getting put out. But I mean, if you if, if you dig deep into it, hip hop, like I said, is alive and well, and is very healthy, and has and is in one of the brightest spots it's been in in the last ten to fifteen years, easily, in my opinion. And Lawrence, what you just said reminds me reminded me of something I said when I was on James's show is that I feel that what you just said, the people who are on the inside and on the outside, I feel like where where the distinction is is between a good song and a hot song. And I don't yes. think a lot of people can yes. make that distinction. And I tried to exp- I exp- explain it as best I could on James's show. But there's a clear difference, right, between a hot song can be hot and bad. I mean, not, I mean usually hot songs are good enough to be hot. But in the, in the, in the idea of, you know, lyrics, production, everything that goes into a good song. A, a hot song isn't always good. <laughs> no, there's musically there's hot. musically bad hot songs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And and uh, it reminded me so much of what you just said, you know, in, in that regard. Um, and, and also, talking about J. Cole, I think, and I'm, I'm 
the, the, here's why the Bourne Center leak. And as much as I was excited, you know, to hear that I was, like Laura, you know, we've been talking about this. You're right, really, since day one, since week one of our show, because we, you know, we've been anticipating, we've been talking about different news bits, different things we've heard about what to expect from the album. Um, I'm, I'm, like, I'm taking a step back and thinking today. June 18th is a week from Tuesday. Today is June 8th. And the whole June 18th implication was supposed to be so epic because it was J. Cole stacking up against Kanye. And I hate to bring Kanye into it, but when you're talking about, and I think about what, Lawrence, what you said your friend said to you about, well, there's no bangers. When I think about what Kanye, in terms of what I expect from Kanye, because what I'm hearing from Born Center is what I expect from Cole. Like, no, there aren't bangers, but but it's great rap music. I mean, great rap, like I just said, great rap doesn't have to be hot for it to be great, and it doesn't, and it can be hot and not great. And and so far, what I'm hearing from Born Center is, is, I mean, it's 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 great. Like you said, we need more time to really absorb it, but you know, we know what we're hearing. When you think about what to expect, and, and I'm looking at Kanye's delivery so far, like he's only giving us what he wants us to hear from his album so far. I think Kanye's control of his album is is ultimately, I, I hate to say it, but ultimately I think it's it's going to almost downplay Cole's a little bit more because I think he jumped the gun a little bit, streaming the album this week, letting go Crooked Smile and, and, and Forbidden Fruit early, and, and I'm glad to have it, but... I'm, at some level, I guess I'm a little disappointed because now, like you said, in two weeks' time, in two weeks' time, I'm going to be listening to Kanye's album just because I know myself and I know Kanye. And I would hate for Born Sinner to be put on the back burner because it was released this early. Um, I don't know. Hey, what, do you, what do you guys think about that? Hey, Molly, I'm going I'm to play devil's advocate with you for a little bit because I – I've kind of, I mean, I've thought about it, and, and it, it's always an unfortunate situation, at least to an extent, when, when an album comes out earlier than planned, because it's like, all right, now now my album's out for free. People can't buy it for another, what, like week and a half, unless you're ASAP Rocky, where it leaks freaking two months early, but the, the people can't buy it for a certain amount of time. But I, I, what I like about this is in the, in the current situation that J. Cole was then was dropping on the same day as Kanye, is, is J. Cole was confident enough, and, and it ended up being not confidence in vain. It, it's, it, he has backing to the confidence. Like, the, the album is actually good. And the more we get to listen mm-hmm. to it, I think the more we're going to grow in, in, into liking it. So I think what he did do is, since he's still the up-and-coming guy, I mean, J. Cole's been around since what? What, what have we been listening to J. Cole since about 09? Uh, I think it was 09 when the warm-up dropped. So, I mean, J. Cole has been around four years now, roughly, but at the same time, he's still kind of that newer guy, especially when you're going to compare him to Kanye, who College Dropout yeah. dropped in 2003. So... Right. I think that I think that us getting a hold of this and it being as good as it is is a good thing for Cole because now we're going to go into I'm at least I know I'm going to go into Kanye's Ooh. album saying oh. I really I really hope Kanye's album is as good as J Cole like like I that's kind of in the back of my mind and, and that's not and that's not something that you would normally think because I mean like I said we got a guy like Cole and we got a guy like Kanye like I mean we Kanye is a household name around the world like. Every everybody everybody everywhere knows who Kanye is, and that's not the case for Cole. But at the same time, Cole put out that quality of a piece. 
that I'm going to have to go into Kanye's with kind of my eyebrows raised a little bit. Like, all right, yay. Like, what are you going to do right. now? Because, I mean, right. cold okay. is it? And 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 I, I I like the competition, and I think I think the fact that he put out this stream shows that he's not necessarily that hurt over the leak. He's I I, mm-hmm. I like I like the stream because I I feel like to an extent what he's saying is all right my fan I have I have like true true loyal fans that aren't gonna download the leak the whether that's actually the case or not I don't know because I think that I mean if the music is out you might as well have it and and I. I after listening to it, I plan on buying J. Cole's album. I don't buy any music, realistically, unless it's like, I mean, I feel like the last five albums I bought have all been Kanye albums. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't really buy music. I, I should have bought Kendrick, but I didn't. But, I I mean, Kendrick's is definitely worth a buy. I probably will buy it at one point or another just to say I have a hard copy of it. But there's only, like, certain albums you're going to actually go out and buy. And... After it leaked, right, what he did is he said that since there's X amount of people that are going to actually get it on the Internet now and and be listening to it, for those who either aren't capable of, like, you know, navigating their way or savvy enough to actually find it themselves, or those who are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to do the leak. I'm going to wait for it to actually drop. So everyone's hearing it at the same time. He just gave it in terms of with the live stream. I mean, he's not giving it out for download, but he he's giving it out in terms of the live stream saying, all right, I'm going to put it up myself too so everybody can actually hear it now, you know. And and I like the confidence in it. And he, he's supposed to have this confidence because like he said in, in, in the stuff about um, the Let Nas Down song, Nas – he, he, like, says this in an interview all the time, and he said it in a song as well. He's like, yo, why'd you put out – he's talking about the uh, the single workout that he put out on his last album. He's like, why'd you put that out, man? You were supposed to be the one. Like, you don't have to put that out. And I honestly felt that way about J. Cole since hearing him, and we all did. I mean, we knew that, like, everybody doesn't rap like that. Everybody doesn't say the stuff that J. Cole says. Everybody isn't as compelling as J. Cole. So, I mean – we knew that he was a great, and, and, and to put this out at the time he's putting it out, I think it, I think he's going to leave his stamp there. And like I said, I think I think Kanye has has some things to get done. I mean, it's Kanye West, so it's going to get done. And I mean, we we have two songs so far that are that are very good songs between uh, New Slaves and Black Skinhead. I I think both of those tracks are are very very good songs. And I mean, it's it's the Kanye that we love and. I hope to see more from that. I think that Kanye overall is going to have a more grand sound because that's just what Kanye's about nowadays. I mean, he he was a lot more basic back in the day when when you think about like the graduations and the late registration, but then you get to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy where it's like all about grand sounds and it's all about big picture and it's all about you know how many instruments can I get in this song and like how epic can I make the build ups and stuff like that. So I think that's going to be cool and that and the fact that Cole's is out before his kind of makes it so like Kanye's is almost just going to serve as a climax to what could be a classic week in hip hop. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that this is his album coming, uh, Cole's album, like being out and being able to be listened to right now is going to hurt him necessarily with Kanye's coming out. I think you make a strong point there. And I definitely, um, concede to your argument because, um, uh, I think that's a very strong point, and it goes back to that anticipation, the same anticipation that we 
that we harped on on this week for the past few weeks leading up to the June 18th date for Cole's album and for Kanye's album. And and you're right. The fact that what like what we've been talking about, that what we've been hearing from the album is so good thus far. You're absolutely right. Now go, marching forth toward June 18th, where and next week is a big week because you don't know what can happen next week. With you know Kanye might let a, let a song go next week. I mean, up to this point, it seems he like should. he has full control over what we're hearing. So mm-hmm. that may have to be part of this. He may have to let something go next week before before June 18th, a week from this Tuesday. So uh, I think uh, I definitely see where you're coming from. He's made, like we said, we, we, we wanted Born Sinner to be what it's supposed to be. So far it is, which is only a good thing. And so you're now going forward into the other, you know, the, the other big story from June 18th. We have to, you know, it, 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 it has to be, again, what we expect it to be in order for it to meet our expectations. Because if, it, if it's not, then... Suddenly, born sinner goes up, you know, on the charts. Literally, you know, we start to, you know, exactly. talk about born sinner more than Kanye's album, and and yeah. you know, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I, Tommy, what do you think? Because I know Tommy, you, you specifically touched on the fact that you were, um, you know, we talked about Kanye and Cole's album. I mean, but you specifically said that you felt you'd be looking more forward to Cole's album because you felt like. Uh, you know, Cole, someone that you relate to more, you relate more with his music. Um, I'm curious, have you had a chance to listen to any of the uh, Born Center albums? Uh, I heard the the track with uh, the TLC, uh, Power Trip, and uh, yeah, I only heard those two. I haven't heard <clears throat> I haven't heard the full album yet. But I just wanted to make a quick point to what you guys were talking about. I feel like, you know, when you were talking about you know, putting out bangers and, you know, that's what the mainstream listeners are, are hearing. It, it's, for me as a rap fan, I resonate more with a guy like J. Cole because, you know, you got, like, L, you just said that the um, the album, there was no bangers. But I'm sure there's songs on there that you have to go back and listen to a few times just to be like, oh, did he really just say that? Like, and that's the, those are the rappers that I really resonate with, like the, the J. Cole the 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 Absols, like you were saying, Martin, um, you know, the Kendrick Lamar's. I feel like those guys really get overlooked. And and, and with with Kanye's album coming out, I feel like it, on the forefront, his album is gonna be perceived better just because he's gonna have like three or four bangers on there. And I I, I kind of agree with the the guy on on on. I'm not. I forget the name of the show you were talking about when you, you say you called in, Martin. But um, it, it's kind of like rap is, is 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 not really headed in a, in a great direction because you know Kendrick Lamar gets his props, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of a lot of critics, you know, downplaying J Cole's album. I I mean I haven't had a chance to hear it yet, so I don't really have a, a, you know um, opinion to to the fullest extent of what I would like, but people might put his album down because he doesn't have those, those bangers. And I don't feel like that's necessarily what rap should be about. And, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, it's just a thought. Uh, and here, here's why, I, you know, with obviously with Kanye and Cole's albums, June 18th date being side by side, it's really the only reason I really kind of compare with Kanye and Cole uh, because, Realistically, like Lawrence alluded to, what Cole tries to do and, and where Cole is in terms of the broader spectrum is much different from where Kanye is. You're looking at a veteran versus relatively new guy, like Lawrence said. But 
but to your point, Tommy, like New Slaves, for example, to me is a banger, but it's also a good song with with met with with like I feel like Kanye come like Kanye is almost like preaching at us in a sense. Uh, I think because like you look at the New Slaves song, what he's talking about the DEA teamed up with the CCA, like that that's that's false imprisonment system. That's that you know that that's like that's far beyond. Like that—that's far beyond like conventional hip hop. Like he's talking about like real. I mean, and a lot of it obviously is is based in kind of like black thought, I guess you could say. But I think I think I agree with you in that people like J. Cole, who you know, who come with his kind of approach, are much easier to like you said. You want to go back and listen to what he's saying. I think. Kanye almost to an extent. I just think some. I just think he's. I know exactly what you're saying because he comes off so aggressively and so impulsively, and his songs are bangers. But it's also it, it, it's also the, the the content. It's also the lyrics. It's also the messages. And I'm not I'm yeah. not by any means accusing you of, of downgrading Kanye or anything like that. I'm merely just you know just trying to extend kind of the the comparison a little bit. You know. I feel like Kanye is the only guy that can get away with that, though. I feel like, you know, I didn't I yeah, think I, was I didn't extend the argument. Yeah, he's the guy that can get away with it. When you have other rappers that just do bangers and there's no lyrical content, that's when I feel like it gets mixed up because they're like, oh, this music's just like Kanye's music. But it's not. Kanye's, Kanye's you know, he's on a level of his own. And people try to emulate his music and you know, I guess that's what gets the airplay because they're they're people. But I feel like there's a difference, and and no one's really no one's really you know drawing the line and cutting some guys out where they should be. And you know, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be all you know. This is this is turn up music. This is blah blah blah. You know, Kanye's actually saying something. So I feel like you know there's a line that should be drawn right there. I think I think you're right, and and I think like you said, I think for some people, I, I don't know because I think Kanye people look at Kanye much differently. Just like Lawrence says, Kanye is, is is critiqued and considered on a global scale, as opposed to Cole, who is just really just a rapper. Like we just look at his rapping because that's all he does. Kanye is a fashion person. He's a media just tyrant, like he's he just does so many different things that are just crazy. And then when it comes down to the music, it's like I feel like it's common for people to consider all those other things also. Uh, I, I just think, I, and I agree with what you said, I think really Kanye has mastered and is probably the only one left. I, I think Kendrick does it too because a song like Mad City is a banger. <laughs> I mean, that's a banger. But it's all in swimming pools in its own right as a banger. Like Lauren said, it gets radio play, people know it, I mean, considered a banger. But these are also songs with messages. And I think that's really the theme here. And I think it's the theme from what uh, they talked about on Brother James' show the other day when I called in. It's the, the idea of the message, I think, is what even we try to get at on the show. It's the messages you're getting from the music. Like Tommy said, you go back, you rewind a cold track, or you rewind a J Electronica track, or a, or a or an absolute something because you heard him say something that's like, wow, there's something in that. There's there's a message in that. It's not just, you know, it, you don't just keep it here and just listen to it all the way through, like bob your head to it. No, there's things you have to consider and really think about from listening to those lyrics. And that's, 
I guess that's what people like us are looking for in terms of that message. Um, Jay, I know you haven't had a chance to really sound off, but give us any input that you have for the for the discussion. I, uh, I, I hear what everyone's saying, and I do understand why people would think that way about about the state of hip hop. Um, but the radio and and record labels are are a very 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 formidable opponent for for the hip hop that we want to hear, and because that's where the money is. So so artists are constructing songs for their record labels because the record labels are putting pressure on them and for the radio. And and that's just that's just a part of the beast. It's a part of what hip hop has evolved to. Hip hop is not underground anymore. It is a mainstream phenomenon and we have to we have to be okay with some of our favorite artists making radio songs and 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 we don't have to like them, but we have to take them for what they are. And and we concentrate on the ones that we like, and 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 that's it, guys. Like that's it. We don't have to go into a panic. We can we can appreciate what we do get, and and we could disregard anything else, and 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 we cannot listen to it, and and we and we can't expect these artists to be perfect, because they have this is their jobs essentially, and well not essentially that's what it is. This is their job, and 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 they have bosses. And their bosses are asking them to do things that we don't like, and we just have to deal with it. And it, and it's and it's and I'm not going to say it's okay, but it's it's a part of the beast. It's it, it comes along with it. Everything good has at least one little bad part about it, and 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 that that's the consequence of hip hop being mainstream. And we just we have to recognize that. You know what I mean? It's just it's. I'm not gonna say too much about it because I could talk about it for a while. But like I've I've grown enough to know that that there's some stuff, there's some artists out there that are gonna completely turn. That are gonna come, i.e. Wiz Khalifa. He completely turned, and that's fine with me. And like that's if that's what he wants to do, then go ahead. He's like that's what he wants to do. But for me. I'm going to stick with the people that I feel like are keeping it as pure as possible. And 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 I'm going to be okay if they do release a song that's a little poppy. And and I'm going to appreciate the songs that are not. And that's just how it's going to be and that's just how I'm going to listen to it because you'll drive yourself crazy. You <laughs> you know, you really will. Mm-hmm. Like you'll drive yourself mad mm-hmm. really 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 you know, blowing up every time you hear your favorite artist or your favorite rapper release a radio track. Or, or or something that you don't think is is up to their standard. I don't like "Swimming Pools" by Kendrick Lamar. I, I don't like that song. And 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 I, and I and I don't feel and I don't feel bad about it. I just don't like it. And and that's it. But I can appreciate everything else that he does. So like I won't let it change my perspective of the artist. And I think that's pretty important here. Um, and um almost like a necessary evil. Exactly. It is. It is. I mean, like, it's their jobs. They are... It, this is their jobs. Some uh, some rappers, like my man Currency, for instance, okay? Currency yeah. is one of the guys out here that said, no matter what, I'm going to stay true to my fans. 
I'm going to stay true to my craft. I'm going to stay true to my sound that it's gotten me where I am. Kendrick uh, Currency won't have a a auto-tune singing radio single probably right. ever. Ever. Currency also won't make Wiz Khalifa money. Okay? That's right. It that's what right. it is. That's that's what it is. Okay? So so it, it, he's he's saying that I, it's worth the sacrifice for me to not have any poppy radio songs and stay true to myself and stay true to my fan base and me make less money than for me to I hate saying this this phrase but that's what it is, sell out and and make a, a a whole album full of radio tracks that I'm gonna make a couple million dollars off of. So so you know it's 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 up to the artist, and as fans, we can we appreciate the good stuff and and you can literally ignore the bad stuff if you want to, and that's what I choose to do. That's 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 simply what it is. That that that's that's simply what it is. But if I do hear a song by an artist that maybe a more pop-like record or maybe more radio, i.e. A, a Poetic Justice by Kendrick Lamar, that's perfect for me. I, that's a perfect track for me because he can get that played on the radio, he can make his money off of it, but it's still pretty much true to what he does, and it's a good song. And, and that's rare to get that full, that full, complete package, but when you do get it, just appreciate it and, 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 that, and, and just understand, just understand that you're gonna hear those radio hits because these guys want to make money as well, and I and I understand that and I get it. So so that's why I, I don't get too too much worked up about it, and and I and I do feel like for the most part hip hop is in a good place. So so if I see stuff going down the drain and everybody's doing it, then that's where I'm gonna be concerned and I'm gonna start to panic a little bit. But until then, it, as long as there's Kendrick Lamar's, as long as there's J Cole's, as long as there's Yeezys. As long as there's Jay Z's, as long as there are guys that currencies, as long as there's these guys in hip hop, I will be okay. The J Electronicas of the world, I will be okay. Um, and 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 I just know, you know, you take the good with the bad, and that's it. And that and that's all to it, because ultimately we can't do anything about it. So 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 just take the good with the bad, and 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 just understand that maybe that artist is thinking a little bit selfishly on that track as far as who the target is. And and just be okay with it, and and then that's it. I think um, kind of summarizing. I think a lot of good points there. I, Jay, I love the the case study for currency. I, I think that's a an, a, an ideal example. Um, really embodies kind of really embodies kind of what I was trying to almost get at on on the show with James and them. Because, again, I think I was trying to make a, a case for these guys who are kind of under the radar. And I think with Currency's case, like you said, and it's, it's Currency and it's with Khalifa, and it's a perfect comparison. With Khalifa is on the surface. He's in the public eye. He's on the radio. He's making those kinds of sounds that appeal to the, to the masses. And like you said, Currency is he's beneath the surface staying true to his fan base, making making his money, but not making with Khalifa money. But like you said, it's for for us who appreciate that that genuine artistry, that, that crap I mean, we still appreciate that. And I think part of what I was trying to what I was really communicating to them on the show, which is exactly that, when it comes to hip hop, especially now, and it's part of what all you guys said with the mainstream and with certain songs, we talked about swimming pools and, and, you know, different songs that are popular, 
But like I said on their show, if you really want to get at the crux of good, soulful, substantive hip-hop these days, and Kendrick Lamar has obviously ascended into the mainstream, but you have to scratch beneath the surface. You can't you can't listen to the radio and think that you know where hip-hop is right now because while that may be the masses, that is only a portion of what's really going on. You have to look over here to the Kendrick Lamars and the TDEs and, and the and the J Electronicas and the Big Crits and the J. Coles and, and you know, you, you have to scratch beneath and that and that's all part of I think what we also try to embody on this show and on our blog is that you, you you have to try and incorporate every avenue, particularly when it comes to hip hop or just music in general, because I know myself and all three of my co hosts, we don't just listen to hip hop. We may talk about hip hop the most because that's where we you know, that's where we feel comfortable. But you listen to our What We Hear segment. We listen to a lot of different kinds of music, and I know that about my co-hosts. And, and if you narrow it down to hip-hop, you almost have to do the same thing. You can't just stick to what's popular and what's mainstream because there's a lot more, there's a lot more stuff and there's a lot better stuff out there. And I think, I think we would all agree on that, on that final point. Um, if anyone else has any final remarks, um, please give them... Uh, we're about to go to our second commercial break, unless anyone has final thoughts. I do. Yeah, I just wanted to say something real quick. My point was like was to say mainly, I just feel that it's crazy that that mainstream rap has kind of turned into like the WWF. You know what I'm saying? And us, us as listeners on the show, we know what's what's real and who's really rapping. But there's there's a there's a, there's a majority group that really does think that mainstream is what what rap is really about, and I feel sorry right. for those people. Absolutely. Yeah, without that, Absolutely. I mean, that's my final point. No, sure, exactly. That I think we all agree on that point that you have to scratch beneath that mainstream surface to really get at the crux of hip hop now, because as Jay said, hip hop has become part of the mainstream, and as a result like we can all agree on it, it it waters it down and it takes it to a place that we know isn't fully genuine. But thankfully, us on the collective, we know where to look. And if you listen to us and look on our blog, then you'll know where to look for this stuff too. Um, so uh, wrapping up on the conversation there, going to our final commercial, we'll come back for our last few minutes and I'll talk about what I've been watching this week, the collective. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com.
We are back. Welcome back for this to the collective. We've been here this afternoon talking about a variety of topics. The NBA Finals. Jay Cole um, had a pretty good hip hop discussion right before the break. Um, wrapping up here in the last about five or six minutes of our show, um, based on our my TV and movie blog, TelevisionCinema.blogspot.com. Um, I just want to share real quickly. I've had an interesting week in terms of my viewing experience. Um, I've taken some time, some extra spare time that I've acquired um, to catch up on some shows that I've wanted to start watching really for some time now. Um, I've had a couple shows that I've been watching and have written about from this past season that have aired their finales. Um, NBC's Revolution was the last. Um, Last Monday night they aired their finale. A great ending to season one. They had a four-month hiatus in the middle of the season, which was challenging to develop the show. Uh, Showrunners Eric Kripke and J.J. Abrams took the time to develop the show, came back for a second half of Revolution on NBC that was highly entertaining, um, very interesting storyline, extremely um, dire uh, situations there with the context, the whole blackout, you know, thing. There are shows like it that have failed, um, i.e. the event and flash forward from a few years ago, and Revolution lives on. It's been renewed for a second season, and it'll air again this fall um, on Wednesday nights. Um, I definitely appreciated that. But um, the highlight of my week, uh, gentlemen, I started HBO's Game of Thrones, and I think that's been, I know that's been really one of the top phenomenons in terms of television um, these last few years, really. Um, When I read articles or write-ups just about um, television scripts and good producing and kind of just real high-quality TV shows that are out that are well put together, well-written, all that stuff, Um, Game of Thrones is always in there, along with um, shows like Breaking Bad, shows like Dexter, Um, shows like even AMC's The Walking Dead, which I want to get Jay's reaction from here in a minute because I know he started it. Um, But Game of Thrones, everything that that has been said about it is true. People die. (laughs) There's there's profanity. There's explicit stuff there. I mean, but it's very very well put together. Directed by Alan Taylor, who is actually heading the uh, Thor sequel this fall, um, just a really great depiction of those medieval times. Um, again, people die <laughs> seemingly every episode. I mean, the, 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 just the, the developments are crazy. And the storyline and all I kept hearing before starting it was that there are so many characters, so many different kingdoms, so many things going on. But I am impressed with how well, about halfway through the first season, I actually just completed the first season last night, um, about halfway through the season, you really find yourself connecting with the characters so much that, I mean, you're so engaged that it doesn't it doesn't feel that overwhelming. I mean, it's 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 uh you know it's, it's different families, it's different kingdoms. You kind of start grouping people together. It, I mean, I just think it's very put well put together. I'm looking forward to catching up going into season two for that. Um, I also started Scandal this week, ABC's hit drama series, which I wasn't going to start, but. So many people watch it, I feel like I should be watching it too. So I watched the pilot for Scandal yesterday. That was uh, that was interesting. I look forward to seeing what happens there. Definitely one of the more popular shows. I know many of our listeners listen. In fact, I heard from some people on our collective Twitter um, that wanted to talk a little more about Scandal and The Americans. Several weeks ago we heard from some people um, that wanted to get into some dialogue there. But, um, again, lots of TV um, next week. Man of Steel, the Superman movie, that's huge. I hope I'm not the only one that's actually really excited about that. I'm 
I've been looking for a good Superman movie pretty much all of my life. Everyone that I've seen was really bad. So look for Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan to come out with a bang next week, June 14th, Man of Steel releases. And, um, in fact, I'm sure we'll be talking about it on the show next week. Uh, Jay, real quick, give me your thoughts on The Walking Dead because I've heard things, I've thought about watching it, but I think I'm just too scared to start watching. It seems very disturbing. <laughs> it is... Uh... It's certainly I can't believe you're watching it. I'm I my 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 girlfriend, um, she's <laughs> very much into television series. You know, she loves Netflix and she loves just just watching full full series that she hears about. So she heard about it, and on Memorial Day, um, we started it, and um, now I am I'm two episodes short of finishing season two, and. It's it is scary. It's scary. It's 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 not it's not something that you just want to watch by yourself chilling, um, unless you're thugging. But it, it's it's nevertheless it is it is as thrilling as thrilling gets. Um, high drama, well written though. It's not just it's not gory, um, and it's just you know people just splitting zombies open. It, it's it's right. it's well written. It's it's compelling it's 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 one of the the most dramatic tv series i've i've ever watched possibly only breaking bad could be more dramatic than this thing and and it's it, it kind of swept the country you know everybody's talking about you know everything is like zombie apocalypse now like oh, i don't i don't none of that crap actually applies to me uh, uh but this show is is that well written that well produced that well thought out, which is the the part of writing that I look for, like how thought out is it? Like are they setting things up well to continue the story? And I think the writers of this did a, a, a tremendous job. And this is one of the most popular TV shows out there, people. Uh, like over the yeah. last three or four years, I mean, people have been all about The Walking Dead. And kind of their audience doesn't really fit. I don't fit in that audience, I should say. But watching it, but watching it, you know, just giving it a chance, I realized that okay, there's a reason for the hype. Just kind of how you were with with Scandal, which my mom was texting me, you know, a couple weeks ago and was like, you know, what you should talk about on the show, I should talk about Scandal, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't watch Scandal, but um, uh, I'm not watching uh, that. But Walking, but The Walking Dead, it's 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 very good. It's well written. It's it is scary. It's a it's a horror type of dramatic series, but you'll fall in love with the characters. You'll hate some of the characters, which I've have which I have done. I hate some people, and and but but nevertheless, the writing, the production, everything about it is is above average, and 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 I will put it in kind of like that Game of Thrones category where you know you hear a lot about it. But you have to watch it for yourself to really appreciate it, and and I've and I've definitely appreciated it. Um, the two seasons that I'm about to finish up have been terrific, and I believe the fourth season um, starts in October, which I'm sure everybody will hear about because it's going to be all over Facebook, Twitter, um, and and I might be one of those people tweeting and Facebooking about it because I'm going to probably be pretty excited about to see where they go now with it. So uh, definitely worth it if you have Netflix, you know, just. To look it over, watch the first few episodes. If you can't handle it, then chalk it because it only gets worse. I'm telling you now. 
So if, you, if it's too much for you, then chalk it because you're not gonna you're not gonna like it as it gets really really deep. Um, but but terrific show. Um, definitely definitely warrants the hype that it gets, without a doubt. Okay. Well said. Yeah, well said for sure. It's definitely mentioned. It's always mentioned up there for one of those. Uh, really one of those top-tier shows. And like you said, I mean, even the fact that you can attest to hating someone in the show, I think that that in itself speaks to the writing because it, it's mm-hmm. just the production in general, how it's put together, because you actually feel hate towards a character because they're, they're having that impact on you in terms of the storyline yeah. and developments and all that stuff. I think those are what make the stronger TV series, for sure. Um yeah. So looking forward, yeah, you're you're definitely in that mold. I think my I'm pretty sure my brother started The Walking Dead, and I think he was too chicken to keep going with it. I think he was one of I think he chalked. I can see, I can see that, yo, because I don't watch it without my girl, and and, and if I do, it's during the middle of the day. It's never on no late night. Oh, let me grab my let me grab my iPad and watch some Netflix. Nah. It's only it's only when I can you know I have to act a little macho when I'm sitting there and I'm I'm trying to be cool and not jump or not not get too scared or whatever and she's covering her eyes and I'm trying to move her hand it's not it, it, that's usually how it is it's never just me chilling just watching it so definitely watch it with somebody else uh, uh, if you, if you're gonna start it because it, it it gets a little intense at points. Um, yeah, well, well said. Definitely good advice there. I would say the, the same for NBC's Hannibal, uh, which we didn't get to. I didn't get to really discuss at length. But I, I've been watching NBC's Hannibal. They're on the last leg here of their of their first season on NBC. It just got renewed for a second season. But if you, if you've heard about Hannibal, if you've been seeing it, definitely tune in, catch up on the episodes. Uh, again, another warning shot. Similar, probably not as crazy as The Walking Dead, but. The crime scenes in Hannibal are absolutely epic, um, uh, literally borderline disturbing. Um, I actually read that a, a TV station in Utah shut down the show on a network because it got it got too explicit for, for viewers. Um, it really is that crazy. And when you consider the story of a Hannibal Lecter, um, it really is supposed to be that way. So uh, kudos to NBC for doing what they're supposed to do with, uh, with their new chilling drama series. Um, Wrapping up here, uh, we're out of time here, so we're going to wrap up for the day. Um, if you join us at the beginning, we talk some NBA Finals. Find our NBA Finals picks on our show blog, thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com. Uh, check out our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, and TV and movies at televisioncinema.blogspot.com. This is Martin Sores, Tommy Hill, Jason, and Lawrence Reels signing off for the collective. Have a great day. And another one. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.